Hi, my name is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week, we'll be looking at this week's Parsha, Parsha Vayechi, and the very last scene in the book, which is, of course, also the very last scene in the book of Breshid as a whole. So by this point in where in our parsha, the brothers have all all of them been living together in Goshen near Egypt for years at this point. They all went down including Yaakov. They've been living together ostensibly in peace. Yaakov has died. They've all gone back to bury him. And now they return to Goshen still as a family unit but without their father Yaakov. And we're told towards the very end of chapter 50 that when Yosef's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, wait a minute, what if Yosef still bears a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong that we did to him, hearkening back to much earlier when they threw him in the pit and ended up being sold into slavery. And so they have this moment of panic. And so what they decide to do is they send a message to Yosef and say, before your father died, he left us this instruction that we should say to you, please forgive us for our sins and our guilts. And just please, please, please forgive us, right? Acknowledge your sin and beg for forgiveness. And Yosef hears this and he starts to cry. Now, while this is happening, the brothers seem to be building and building on their anxiety because the next thing we're told is that they actually go to him and they fall before him and they say, here we are prepared to be your slaves. Presumably hoping that if they're his slaves, he will forgive them and not punish them even further for what they did to him. And Yosef has this reaction to them that is the most beautiful response. And I think, as I'll discuss, really redeems the entire book of Breshit. Yosef says to them, Don't be afraid. For am I a substitute for God? You, you brothers, you intended, you may have intended to do me harm back, back in our childhood when you threw me into the pit. But God made it good. God intended it to be actually be a good thing, meaning because then I was brought down to Egypt and now I've been able to save you all from famine. We're going to survive as an Am Rav, as a mighty nation. And so don't be afraid. I'll take care of you. And not just that, I'll also take care of your children. You guys are good. And then this little scene concludes with Vayadaber Alibam, that Yosef spoke to their hearts. So Yosef here is able to identify the enormous anxiety and fear that the brothers are experiencing as a result of what they did to him many, many, many years ago. And he is able to put that whole fear to bed and to speak to to their heart, to the core of who they are and really reassure them, no, don't worry, you're fine. It's in the past. It all worked out for the best. Please just stop worrying about it. And it's this just incredible, beautiful moment. I can't say enough positive things about it. And today, in order to to appreciate even further the significance of what Yosef is doing here, I wanted to look at the language that he uses in order to speak to them. Now, as we said a moment ago, he says, Don't be afraid. For am I a substitute for God? And we see this language one other time in Breshit, and actually it's the only other time that we see it in the Torah. It's back in chapter 30 of Breshit, 
And it's at the point where Yaakov has been living in Lavan's home, and he's married to both Leah and Rachel. Leah has had four sons, and Rachel has had none. And the Pasuk tells us that Rachel sees that she has not had any children for Yaakov, and she is jealous of her sister. So she becomes envious of her sister, and she turns to Yaakov and she says, Give me children, and if not, I am like a dead person. Now, this seems to come ostensibly out of nowhere, but we know that when people who are in a lot of pain make rash statements like this, it's probably something that's been building up for a very long time, and one day she can't take it anymore. She's so jealous, and it's so painful for her, that she lashes out at Yaakov. Now, Yaakov has, well, Yaakov's response is, is a bit challenging because it said, the text says, Vaychar af Yaakov berachel. Yaakov got angry at Rachel. Vayomer, and he said, Hatachat Elohim anochi asher manami mech pribaten. Can I take the place of God who has denied you fruit of the womb? And Rashi elaborates here and says, what does he mean, can I take the place of God? And, and Rashi says that, that what Rachel was really insinuating is, you know, when your father and his wife, meaning Yitzchak and Rivka, couldn't have children, Yitzchak prayed for Rivka. So why, you know, you should be doing this as well. And Yaakov's response is, well, wait a minute, I'm actually not like my dad because my dad didn't have any children. It wasn't just that Rivka, my mother, couldn't have children. He also didn't have any children. So yes, of course he prayed for her. But in this case, I have children. I have children with Leah. You are the one who doesn't have sons. And so really, this is your problem, not my problem. And so this is something that you have to deal with with God, and it has nothing to do with me. Now, this is a response of someone who is hearing an outburst from someone else and choosing to respond in kind. This is not a response that speaks to Rachel's heart, as Yosef speaks to the heart of the brothers. This is a response to someone who, when you're frustrated that they lash out at you, and so you just throw it back at them, right? Hatachad Elohim Anochi. I'm not like God. This is your problem, not my problem. Go deal with it with someone else. I don't want to stand here while you yell at me. And not only is this response insensitive, but I believe it also really represents a, a, a major milestone or turning point in the entire family relationship of Yaakov and his wives and his children, etc. Because until now, a lot of the strife that has existed amongst Yaakov and Leah and Rachel was a result of Lavan's interference, of switching them on the wedding night, of Yaakov being in the home of someone, you know, and he, he doesn't have control. It's really all Lavan's show, and he's just trying to kind of survive. But with this, Yaakov really becomes an active player in that family dynamic. Because instead of taking a moment to breathe, identify what Rachel might really be saying, um, except that there's a lot of pain there, he just lashes out right back at her, turns it right back on her. And we know from what happens next, certainly makes the dynamic worse because Leah continues to have kids, there's a lot of pain. And then when Rachel does finally have a son, she names him Yosef, Lemor Yosef Hashem Li Benacher, 
right? May the Lord add another son. For me, she just, she's not even satisfied with what she has. All she wants is more. She wants to be able to catch up with her sister rather than just enjoy the beauty of what she has in that moment. And this is a toxic dynamic that continue to per, continues to pervade Rachel, Leah, and Yaakov's relationship for the rest of their lives, basically. And Yaakov at no point seems to demonstrate any leadership whatsoever and try to, to jump in and stem that dynamic. And then we have the next generation, and that jealousy is flipped. Rachel's no longer jealous of her sister, and now her sister's children are jealous of Rachel's son, Yosef. Or maybe we don't know if they're jealous, but at least they're certainly resentful. He has the elevated status in the family. He has the coat. And that resentment leads to total disaster with throwing him in the pit and having him be sold. This is a dynamic that once again Yaakov has created. And even when he sees the damage that it's caused, he does nothing to stop it. The brothers continue to have this pained relationship with Yosef throughout much of the rest of their lives. And that brings us to this week's Parsha. The brothers, all 12 of them, have been living together in Goshen for a while. Their fathers died. They've all gone back to bury him. They're all ostensibly at peace with Yosef. But as we see, even though they may present as that, they're still so haunted by their past actions that as soon as Yaakov dies, they approach Yosef and say, we know you still must be thinking about what we did to you, you know, decades and decades ago. And so please, well, here, we'll be your slaves. Just don't kill us. Just don't destroy us. You know, here we are to do anything you need. Please just take us. And Yosef here is the incredible character we have been waiting for, for all of Brashit. He says, wait a minute. Hatachat Elohim, Elohim ani? Am I really in the place of God? It's not my place to judge your past actions. It's all worked out okay. Leave it alone. Leave it there. And let's move on together. It's an enormous demonstration of emotional intelligence and the capacity to forgive and the capacity to say, you know what, what matters most is our relationship right now and let's forget the past, which is something that their father Yaakov lacked entirely. He wasn't able to resolve conflict. He wasn't able to forgive people. He just lashed out and he, he only really perpetuated dynamics and made them worse. Yosef here has this just incredible, admirable ability to change the dynamic and alter the course of the future. And that, I think, is exactly what we've been waiting for, what we've needed in Breshit to redeem the sibling dynamics of the whole book. We began with Cain and Hevel, who, you know, Cain kills Hevel out of jealousy. It's done. Yitzchak and Yishmael don't kill each other, but they're unable to coexist. They cannot live in the same place. Yaakov and Esav can live in the same home, but Yaakov is always deceiving Esav. They're not actually on the same page. They're not bringing their true selves together. And that's a tragedy both in the beginning of their lives, but also much later when they reunite and Esau seems to have forgiven the past, but Yaakov is completely haunted by it, incapable of forgiving it, doesn't really trust that Esau is actually present with him at the reunification, and then tells Esau that he will follow him home, but actually goes in a different direction. And they never really ever resolve their relationship. Yaakov is always stuck in the past. He can't, he doesn't really understand forgiveness, and he certainly can't accept forgiveness. And that brings us to the brothers. At the very end of Breshit, they are still like their father Yaakov. They are still haunted by the past and still 
unable to really have a belief in the world and a belief in other people that it might be possible to per, to forgive each other's past deeds and past sins for the sake of the present and for the sake of the future. And what Yosef demonstrates is this incredible, beautiful, essential ability to, to really hear what they are saying, speak to their hearts, not to the content of what they're actually saying, but speak to their hearts and say, Hatachat Elohim Ani. I am not in the place of God. It is not my responsibility to sit up here and weigh your actions against each other and judge them. Leave that to God. My responsibility is to care about the present and the future. And we are going to be a great nation together. So we're just going to leave that all behind. And using that same language that Yaakov used to further to make the relationship worse back in back in the scene with Yaakov and Rachel now Yosef redeems his father redeems the 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 um the negative parts of the familial relationship that Yaakov brought that Yaakov created and he's able to reverse that and say no no I am not in the place of God, we are all here together. We are going to build this amazing nation together. And please, all I want is for us to be together now and to be able to move forward in the future. And so here we have an absolutely incredible ending and that Yosef shows us that he has this tremendous wisdom to share with us. And I think this is a, a very important life lesson that we can carry with us. Shabbat Shalom.